Hello, welcome to the Purple Rock Podcast. I am your host this week, Matt, and with me is Mark. That's right. Or, or am two I Two separate Matt? people. <laughs> two separate people. I, I swear to God, two separate people. And hey, maybe this time the video is working and we can actually prove that. I'm going to wave, but if you can't see this, let us know. Yeah, no, I think it's totally working. Definitely. I'm very <laughs> confident this time that I did not screw it up. Uh, <laughs> Mark, it has been a long time since yeah. you were on. So let me ask you, uh, what do you think of the season so far? I mean, the last few votes have been a little disappointing, but I'm still liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to going in. Like, I just think this is a really interesting experimental season and some fun gameplay and some fun characters. So yeah, I'm still liking it and all the haters can go to Reddit. Uh, well, let me ask you, what, what do you find disappointed about the last couple of votes? Just that some of the like bigger characters and some of my favorites were gone and a lot of the like focus of the season. So it's kind of like, why, I don't know, why do we spend so much time with them if they're all going to go out mid season, but we'll see we'll I mean, talk about that later. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my, my, my answer to that would just be, you know, they're the bigger characters. You're always right. going to focus on the bigger characters. Right. Um, no, I've been really enjoying the season and I've actually found the last couple of votes really interesting because it's a very active game that's being played. We'll talk more kind of about, um, which season I think this is like later because yeah. I think I, I plan to talk about that, but I, I do think that this season in the way it's being played is very similar to a previous season that I like quite a bit. Um, the gameplay has been good. I'm just personally disappointed really. Yeah, no, and I, and I understand that because some of the people we've lost recently are people that I've kind of grown to like and I want to I want to still watch them in the game, whereas some of the people still in the game, and we'll talk more about this, are, you know, like I'm still kind of waiting for them to give me all they got, which isn't yeah. to say all of them, but some of them. Right. So That means there's room to grow. There's still, what, <laughs> three episodes left? So three episodes got- left, yeah. We got uh, two more regular ones and then the finale. So, um, well... Uh, with that intro, I think we, you know, we got to talk about the person who is booted this week. Oh. Uh, so, you know, I just got one thing to say to that. <laughs> I really hope that came through because I really wanted to do that joke for a long time. Uh, this is, this is the section where we say a farewell to War Dog, the dog who warred. Um, and now I have had my opportunities to pun with uh, with his name, and frankly, I just didn't prepare the jokes this time. But Mark has not, so Mark came with the joke. So all season for all of my puns, and I will sprinkle them out throughout this podcast. Yeah, so, so you can't hold it against him the fact that we called it off last week. So, um, but but, let, but let's. Uh, what did you think of War Dog? What did you think of of him? I mean, I never really warmed up to him that well. I just thought he had a bad bedside manner and he was overly aggressive. And we can maybe talk about this in a little bit, but he was a poor man's version of another player that we like. Um, well, if- we're definitely going to talk about that because I actually disagree with you. But um, no, I mean, it, I, I think the thing about War Dog was I found him as a person someone who I was not rooting for, but at the same time, I was in a way rooting for him to stay in the game because he made the game more interesting. Yeah, because, no, I- because here's the thing, he was very active, and I think he was good at certain aspects of the game that were that I could appreciate him being good at. And none of those aspects were challenges. 
Well, <laughs> and he was spectacularly bad at challenges, which was its own entertainment. Uh, I mean, the, I, uh, everyone should check out, uh, you know, uh, uh, who was it? Gabby. Yeah. yeah, Gabby on Twitter uh, celebrated the fact that she and Wardog both went out at eight. And then Wardog goes, well, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not out yet. And she goes, oh, Wardog, we've seen you in challenges, which is. <laughs> that was a pretty great burn. Yeah, that was that was just excellent. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, and I guess that's the question. Like, what did you think of his game? Would he have gone out this week had he not moved against Kelly last week? I don't know if he would have gone out this week, but he would not have made it to the end. Like, my biggest problem with his game is he was playing a game for himself and not really considering the other factors out there. I think he had a rock-solid strategy in terms of War Dog, but he was banking on other players being stupid or not figuring out his game. And you can't play a Russell game and get to the end and win. Like, we've seen that multiple times. You can't just, like do this super strategic, like, you're going to vote the way I'm going to vote, and not consider that other people have feelings or moves. And so that's kind of where it rubbed me the, the wrong way, and where I think he kind of faltered. Plus, yeah. as the biggest threat, like, once you take everybody out, what do you think is going to happen? So, so that so that's where that's where my criticism of his game comes in. Because War Dog's game early on was that he, he wanted to align with Kelly, because he needed threat shields. It was the Jeremy strategy from Cambodia, which is that, which was successful for Jeremy because Jeremy kept his threat shields around. But what happened with the Kelly vote was Wardog got rid of his shield. Now, I think the counter to that is that Wardog was targeted last week when Kelly was still in the game. People were already throwing his name around. And so is your shield doing you any good if they're not a shield anymore, right? Right. Which is a problem then, but it's a problem that you have to overcome. And I'm not sure the way to overcome that was to throw away someone who had been voting with you because it just creates more instability in the game and it makes it harder to put together a new alliance. And as you said, his plan this week seemed to be relying on a majority of the people to not be playing the game. But Julie called him out on this, like right before they went to to tribal. She's like, "Why didn't you come to me a couple weeks, a couple votes ago with this?" And he's like, "Well, now's the time to do it." So I think you know, War Turtle over here is just like very much. He has his plan, and he's not going to deviate from it. And you can't do that in Modern Survivor. Yeah, and and, and the other thing is, you know, she made a very. Uh, she, I don't know. If, I mean, as you said, she called him out for not talking to her a couple weeks ago. The thing about it is you have to always be talking to everyone in Survivor. You know, you cannot only talk to someone when it's useful to you because then they know that you're only talking to them because it's useful to you. And sometimes that will align and you'll be able to pull off a move like the Kelly move last week. But most of the time, they'll just reject you out of hand because they're like, why do I want to help you? How does that help me? And that's, that's, yeah, I was saying that's why I think Ron is playing a better game. Than the other two big, quote-unquote, big threats. Well, except that now Ron, because he has self-identified as a threat, might be putting himself in position to be voted out. Because I don't know if this vote helped Ron. No, I don't think so. I don't think it helped any of those guys. Well, by those guys, do you mean Ron and uh, Rick? Rick? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Now, now Rick, obviously, had no power in this film. Rick is, uh, R- Rick is basically surviving off of his immunity, and that's it pretty much at this point. He's like a Mike Holloway with fat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. R- Rick is the, R- R- Rick is the unexpected Mike Holloway. But, um, but, but I think Ron had a real chance to kind of use War Dog, at, you know, against the rest of his alliance, take out the people who weren't super tight with him, and then use War Dog there. But, you know, I think everyone else that was there wanted War Dog gone, and Ron wasn't able to steer that away from him, or perhaps yeah. didn't want to, even if he did. Yeah. Um, which, which I guess then brings up uh, something that you were talking about, which is you had brought up the idea that uh, to me that you think that War Dog is playing uh, a Tony game, but he had too much Tony in his game. Uh, yeah. So explain what you mean by that. So there's two parts to t- the way Tony played in Kageyan. You have the crazy guy who like wanted to flip flop and be- have alliances with everybody and shield with some threats and take out some of the others. And then you have like the performative Tony who did all the stuff at tribal council to impress the jury and kind of assert his dominance, you know, piss all over the other people's fire hydrants, as it were. Um, but everyone got on to Paw Patrol's game in pulling this off. And so if you want to play a Tony game, you have to play both sides and you have to be performative. You can't be stealth and also like cut ties with everybody. That's not how it works. You know, it's a very social game. And he was like, well, I'm just going to dump this shield. And I'm going to dump this shield. And you're speaking, you're talking with emotion. And I'm speaking with logic and blah, 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 right. blah. So it was like the worst parts of Tony and Russell's game. I feel like. Okay. So, so when you said that he was too much Tony, I, you see what I thought was that he wasn't enough Tony because he, <laughs> no, 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 because he hadn't, because whereas Tony was, would, 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 would flip back and forth in terms of vote someone out from the other side, vote someone out from his side. Um, when he needed to, he also made sure to keep around those outside threats that he could then channel his side against. And he had really good bonds and he had really good bonds with the people that were in his alliance. Whereas war dog in, in last week's vote turned against the person who he probably had the best bonds with. Now, the thing is this, Kelly might've voted war dog out very soon anyway, in which case then war dog would have had to turn on her. We don't know that. We haven't heard from Kelly. We don't have the exit interviews that we normally have. I believe that Kelly probably would have turned on him at some point. I don't think it was going to happen that soon because she saw what War Dog was like in challenges. She could have done it any time. But you, uh, don't, you don't pull self-defense when the cops are three doors down. You, you do it when they're at the door, you know? Well, but the thing is you got to act before the cops have the gun on you is the, is the counter there. Um, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> though you're not going to really win if you shoot it if you shoot the cop in self-defense anyway but now we're really <laughs> far afield and um we should go back to uh but no but and i think this is the the flaw in war dog's game and the way i would explain it is i think war dog was an expert tactician he yes. was really good at uh for for looking at the vote that was about to happen for picking out who he had to talk to for that vote and how he could get the votes necessary for that vote. I think he was excellent at that. I think he was a poor strat, uh, 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 God, a uh, strategist. Uh, no, that's not it. Um, oh God. Not now I feel stupid. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he was poor at strategy. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm also partly destructive and my dog clawing at my door, but he was poor at strategy because he wasn't thinking about how all of these moves. The episode. He 
he wasn't thinking about how all of his moves added up. He wasn't thinking about um, if I do this, how does this impact me on my next vote and my next vote and my next vote? Where does the alliance come from if I vote out Kelly? Where 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 am I? Where are the votes that will be voting with me come from if I do this move? What happens if I start talking about voting out threats as the most important thing? Because once he started doing that, it moved his threat status from being, you know, around, you know, around the top to being way out in front of everyone else except for Rick. And Which then, is what I was saying. I mean, he, he could see three moves ahead, but in a straight line. He didn't have any peripheral vision in terms of the game itself. Because if you vote on all the threats, then you're the threat. Like, right. Tony played the game because he kept Spencer around to the very end. Because that was right. And, and, bef- and before Spencer, he kept Tasha around. You know, it was he, he had people that he could deflect off of too that were always bigger threats than he was. Um, and that's why Tony, in my opinion, played one of the best games you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started talking about this, but let's kind of get into it. Um, now, you think this vote hurt uh, Rick and Ron, and I think I agree. Do you think it hurt anyone else, or do you think it helped everyone else? I don't think so. I mean, if your biggest competition gets voted out, you're instantly one step ahead. So it helps all of the quote-unquote goats, you know, like a right. Gap or a Victoria or a Lauren even. No, and I, and I agree because I think – and I think they've displayed that they're not exactly just along for the ride because – I think they were basically driving the ship here and that Ron had to get on board or he was getting out soon afterwards. And it was so Uh, stupid for the three of them to be like, oh, yeah, we're driving the ship. They've done nothing. That's the classic hubris edit. Yeah, no, it's it's one we've definitely seen before where you see a number of people get together and say we're in charge and they're not even the majority of people left in the game. Um, Never think you are in charge if you're not the majority of people. I do think it's funny though, because when the mer- early in the merge, I thought this was going to be like a Philippine situation where yeah. Tandang was the dominant tribe, and then they just completely imploded. But it's the underdogs who have now completely imploded, and Lauren is the last person surviving. Well, Rick so, is still there. I mean, R- Rick is still there. Don't forget that. We'll see. But uh, but no, but it's a good point because we started off where uh, where comma was imploding the first uh, couple people that were voted out after the merge were all comma and we're and it got to the point where the numbers were even and we thought oh wow like commas imploding like there's no way you know like lesu's so tight they're gonna really capitalize on this and then we've seen three lesser people go out in a row and we could see a fourth if rick doesn't win immunity uh yeah. in all likelihood i mean maybe not we'll see but uh, but yeah, I mean, it really looks like that they went from be, you know from seizing power to just throwing it away again. So, uh, but um, so so I guess let me ask you this: uh, What do you think of the people that remain in the game proper? Not the people on Exile Island. Uh, we can talk about them in a bit. But what do you think about the seven people that remain in the game proper? Well, I think part of the problem, yes, is the edit. We've had a very compressed um, time schedule here, and it's been hard to get to know them, but I still think we've got a couple winners, you know? I think there are some good, or at least decent personalities there. Um, Gavin is fine, I guess, for the focus of this episode. Um, you see, I see I, I see Gavin as one of the least interesting people remaining, but go oh, on. I didn't say he was amazing, but at least he <laughs> he's a professional, unlike certain people there. Um, I kind of thought that Julie is turning into this interesting fusion of Dawn and Denise. 
Like she's okay. a strong player, but she's sneaking through, but she's very like emotional, like Dawn. So I don't know if that bodes well for her like finalist chances. But I don't think it does. But I I, I think Julie's act pretty interesting, you yeah. know, and um, and she's had much more of an effect on uh, the events that have happened than pretty much anyone else remaining in this well, game. More of an effect than I thought Victoria would have halfway through this season. Like, I think she's a very interesting person, but we just haven't seen a lot from her in a couple of weeks. So I'm hopeful that we'll get to see more from and her. And yeah, Victoria is still the only person that has the perfect voting record. Uh, never true. on the wrong side. You know, she, she knows how to pick the right side. And, you know, when people started throwing out, you know, uh, Rick and, and War Dog's name, she was one of the first people to start doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think she has a good head. It's just that one of the things about her is, like, she's not close to anyone, which is one of the reasons why I love her, because she owns that aspect of her. Um, I don't know if that's going to serve her well in the long run. Though, on the other hand, if it's a super bitter jury, maybe that's the exact thing that actually propels her to a win. Because if you're bitter, you're bitter at people you're close to, not someone who you who admittedly doesn't care at all about you and you probably don't care about either. (laughs) You're like, oh, yeah, Victoria, yeah, you probably played well. Yeah, sure. And I hate the other people, so why not? And Uh, Aubrey could could even lead lead that charge. Like, she's the one who got screwed by Victoria, and she could be her biggest cheerleader if that's indeed how the final three shakes out. Yeah, yeah. Lauren's kind of getting an underdog at it, so that either bodes well or not, based on the trajectory of things are going. Well, Lauren's interesting because I thought we were getting a lot of Lauren earlier in the game, you know, because she was going to tribal all the time and because she was, like, really – in the middle of everything we got a you know like everything about her is um you know i i I love kelly wentworth i love kelly wentworth i'm working with kelly wentworth i got an idol just like kelly wentworth um oh no kelly wentworth got voted out i love kelly wentworth therefore uh war dog is gone um I really hope that's how her like casting interview went. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but um but the thing about her was she also kind of disappeared for a time. Um like when Lesu was making all of their big moves and they were surviving. Like she was just like, she was never like really involved in the, in the decisions. In fact, there was that one scene where she came up on war dog and Kelly talking and like, it was super awkward. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah and it was like, it was super awkward in there. And she's like, should I not be here? Should I go back? And they're like, no, no, it's okay. And it's like, but they didn't start talking again about what they were talking about. They just kind of like endured her presence. It was super weird. Uh, so there's something about like just like her that I can't really latch on to that much. Like, you know, she seemed really strong in challenges early and now she seems to be fading pretty hard, perhaps because she hasn't been eating that much. She was complaining about being hungry, like six, seven days into the game. And uh, I mean, I guess that's still probably a problem for her. The thing uh, you see with athletes on this show, just because she's not like a roided out big dude doesn't mean that lack of calories isn't affecting her. Yeah. And in fact, uh, you know, with women uh, too, they probably cast to be like skinny and attractive. Uh, it could be even more of a thing because you start off with such a base, you know, you don't have anything to lose. And they wouldn't cast you if you did have that something to lose because they don't want you to have that something to lose to cast you. So, you know, it's a real catch-22 there. Um, uh, I would say Aurora is mostly a dud, only in, like, the the past couple episodes, like, there's, like, little interesting wrinkles of, like, some weirdness to her that are kind of sprinkled in. This episode, I think, kind of gave us, like, 
her best content, which yeah. isn't the most amazing stuff, but like But she's I, got some good one liners, like I'm here. She for does, her. yeah, no, and I kind of like the way agent of soccer moms and lover of drama queens. She can actually pull that out, like I'm down. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about her is that, like, I don't think other people like her. And when I make a when I make a comparison to the other season, I have a I have a comp for her that I think is very appropriate. Um, but uh, but we'll get to that. And then uh, who are we missing? We're missing Rick, obviously, who I still think is great. I love yeah, Rick; I love he's Rick. hilarious. Anything. It's just that everyone else wants Rick out because he's obviously great and everyone thinks he's a threat because he is a threat. Because in this cast, there's like one other person in this cast that's good at challenges. It's Aurora at at this point because I don't think Lauren's at that level anymore, which means that like Rick's, you know, like Rick's the only person that's good at them anymore. He could Mike Holloway because they all suck. And I made this on Twitter. I'm like, if you told me at the beginning of the season that the challenge beasts would have been (laughs) Aurora and Rick and even David. Yeah. Come on, seriously? That's your cast? But the thing about Mike Holloway's immunity run that everyone forgets is, like, look at the people that he was beating for most of it. They were all terrible at challenges. Like, some of the worst people we've ever seen, like Dan Foley and Will and Rodney. And at challenges qualifier there. They were just terrible people. (laughs) Well, that is absolutely true. But, like, but, but those people were all, like, part of the final five. Like, his biggest challenge threat was Carolyn, right? That's her name, right? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I honestly, I forgot. But, and like, you know, I mean, that's one that he's going to win most challenges against because he's just like, it, that, that's starting just way out ahead. Like, if you're like mostly even with people, it's going to be 50 50. You could lose anyone. But he just started so far ahead of the rest of those people and challenges that it was like, yeah, no, he's going to win a lot of these. It's not like a fluke. It's just that they stink. <laughs> um, I mean, and so like, I, I think that, you know, like there's a possibility of that happening here too with Rick, though, of course, whoever comes back from Exile Island could be a threat, though, a threat that everyone will probably vote out. And then uh, there's Ron. Well, we said that about Rick and he stuck around. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and well, the thing about, so I want to talk about Ron a little bit too, because Ron has really emerged kind of as like the now main strategic threat, I think, left in the game. Mm-hmm. And he was like leading Kama early on and then Kama collapsed around him and he was still standing. And it looked like he had like lost all of his power, all of his like will to play for a bit. And yeah, he's still there. And now he's like kind of back in, I don't want to say charge, but kind of charge. But, but of he's course, in good, he's in a good position. Like he was talking about being a swing vote. I think he still will be a swing vote. He's got Julie in his pocket, like not a bad place to be. Yeah. And he, I mean, in some ways he's close to Aurora and in some ways they hate each other. It's, you know, like I have no idea if they're coming no, they to a messy breakup. I mean, they put that scene in there for a reason. <laughs> I mean, they're probably coming to a messy breakup sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, it's just a shit, you know, it's just a shame that, uh, that, you know, the two people who would never be dating each other in this game are going to be breaking up uh, as, as if they were. Uh, you need a survivor romance in every season. Right. Yeah. The survivor romance between two people who would never, ever date each other. Um, so like, you know, it's, yeah, I think like the remaining seven, they're probably a little under edited compared to previous seven, but I also feel like I know enough about each one to kind of get their flavors. And there are some that I would certainly like to see more of, like, I think Victoria's hilarious. I would like to see more of her, but I also understand why we haven't because she hasn't been driving any of these votes. She's voted correctly all the time, but that's because she has her nose to the, you know, to the ground enough to know where it's going. 
um, which kudos to her for that. But like, it's, you know, it's not necessarily the most interesting material. And I think they have been checking in on her enough that, you know, we, she has still been present. Um, yeah. Yeah, people say like, oh, she's not part of the edit, but it's because she's not driving the vote. And I think that's a primary driver when these yeah. editors are putting sets together and the people who argue otherwise are not considering that. Right. And also if you have to consider, you know, before this episode, the previous two were ones where they wouldn't, they couldn't take time out to highlight stuff that wasn't driving the vote because two, uh, a couple episodes ago, we had the half hour tribal council, which means you could spend like almost no time doing anything beforehand because everything's tribal. And then last week we had two, uh, two votes and two tribals in one hour, which meant that again, it's just everything driving, uh, driving the uh, driving the action towards those votes. So this week was like really the first chance since then. And she like, wasn't really involved. Like this was a Gavin, this was a Julie, this was a Ron and war dog and Rick. And it's like, yeah, she's not one of the main people driving this vote. But at the same time, she's one of the people that was like, Hey, you know, we should vote out Rick or war dog. And everyone's like, yeah. So, I mean, I think CBS's hands have been really tied this season because they've had, what, three shows after Survivor at this point, and they're constantly having to shuffle around the time slots, and they only have an hour to go through two boots. So I think that's really affected things. I mean, and if you want to jump ahead a little bit, something that was refreshing about this episode is it was more normal. It was very traditional in its sequencing. They had time for an actual reward challenge to talk strategy, to talk life, to go back to the edge of extinction, which reminded us that, yes, this is part of the season. Yep. So I I just, I'm really appreciating the very like back to basics uh, approach to this episode. I thought it was really refreshing after the last couple episodes. And what I think this episode showed, you know, as you said, it's more normal is the fact that the show can adapt, you know, in the, you know, you know, last week they had to, put two together and it was pretty clear that those were not the two boots they had actually meant to push together they actually meant to push the first one last week and the one with the really long tribal but they were able to pivot because they saw that we want to see as much of that tribal as possible because that was you know in many ways like one of the most interesting parts of the season and so they they were able to adapt they were able to tell a different story in that episode they were able to highlight different things and then this week they, you know, and then last week they had the two boots. They were able to pivot to that. They were able to tell those stories. And then this week they were able to kind of go back to a more traditional uh, storytelling for the season. So I think what it really shows is that I think the editors are really getting kind of clever in the ways they tell their stories. And this is something we've talked about all this season and last season. They're telling them in different ways. They're using different tricks. You know, they're, you know, we've talked about in the past how they're using flashbacks. I think also just this way they structured the episode has been changing a little bit, not fundamentally, but uh, around the edges as they, you know, incorporate different events that are frankly, different levels of exciting. This was not, this was not a boot that we need to see a ton of tribal council for because we kind of knew what the choices were. So it's a lot of like, well, who's talking to who, who's making the decisions here, who's in the middle. And that's what we needed to see. And that's what they showed us. It's been really refreshing because a lot of the early season kind of spent a lot of time on Exit of Extinction. It was really focused on that. And then we had 
like you said, the couple of weird tribal episodes. Now we could really focus on the traditional structure, more personal content, even the the cinematography. Like could even spread out. You had some cool stuff they're experimenting with in terms of like audio visual things, like that night sky and the silence and tribal, and taking ten seconds to actually look at the tribal set, which I don't think we've even had this season. You know, I, I don't notice that stuff, so so I couldn't really comment. But that, no, 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 no. But that's interesting. Like, you know, I mean, I, I notice obviously when it looks good. But like, but you saying they haven't taken like a really long time to look at tribal, like that's something I hadn't noticed. But no, that is interesting. They can spend that time to kind of give you a sense of what it looks like because they usually do an amazing job on this stuff. It's you know, give us that chance to appreciate the work they put. And in. it's been rushed because of the time slots. But they even showed like a really cool slow mo of the losing tribe swimming away from the challenge, and you don't see that a lot. These yeah, days. no, I actually did. I did. I did actually kind of uh, appreciate that one. That one I noticed because I thought it was uh, unusual and funny. Um, but uh, yeah, but- bravo to the editors. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, we have danced around this a bit, but let's talk about it. Um, how is the Edge of Extinction working for you? I I still like it. Um, I really liked it early on in the season. I thought the focus on the people voting out and kind of working through the seven stages of grief was really cool. <laughs> and I don't really think we've gotten a lot of that. And like I said, partially that might have been because of time restrictions and yeah. crazy strategy that's going on in the merge. And I wouldn't want to see this every season, but I'm really liking it. So, so I think we, well, so as as an I, structure, at least. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we kind of got a little bit of that this week. You know, we saw Kelly's reaction to being voted out. We saw, uh, and not just, of course, Kelly's reaction, but what we all came to see, which was Reem's reaction to Kelly yes. being voted out. <laughs> which is, if you ever wonder how Reem is going to react to someone being voted out and, uh, discussing that on the edge of extinction the answer is she's going to react by saying oh boohoo i don't care you hurt my feelings too um because that's who we miss yep. <laughs> and it's a shame that cbs's youtube team has gone completely awol this season because i would have loved i would even pay for a cbs all access subscription for this hey cbs listen to this but like i would have loved an all age of extinction season like a couple 10 10 minute bonus clips of people arguing or ream doing confessionals for 30 minutes yeah yeah i I think it's probably a lot more boring than uh like i think they are showing most of the action there because from what we've gotten you know it's you know they don't have a lot of energy and they're spending a lot of time just lying around to conserve it so discovery Discovery makes hour-long shows about that so i'm I'm not i'm not saying that they couldn't that they couldn't find you know enough for 10 minutes but like you know, it's, I mean, personally, like I am kind of liking what I'm getting from it. It's not, you know, we're not, I don't think that we're spending too much time there because I don't think we're spending that much time there. Like I haven't measured it, but it doesn't seem like that much. We usually check in, it checks in on people. And usually it's someone having, it's usually someone who I liked when they were in the game and they're having fun. It's kind of like watching some Ponderosa stuff only during the show. Right. And as someone who would sometimes forget to check out Ponderosa, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, now I can see some of the stuff I like about Ponderosa put into the show. Which it's maybe more interesting than Ponderosa, because I feel like these days it's like they ate a burger, they checked out their weight, okay, they're done. Like this is at least gets to process the psychological parts of it. Well, we haven't seen anything that reached the level of the Chris Noble Ponderosa, but when will we ever? I'm fine with that. <laughs> No, 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 no. I want, uh, I mean, to be fair, no one else could do it like Chris Noble could do it. But yeah, go out on top. Like, that's the best way to do it and just yeah. be end. 
It's a fair point. You know, really, what is the point of doing any Ponderosa after you have done that Ponderosa? Age <laughs> uh, um, of Extinction, the musical. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would be, that'd be something. Um, now, you, uh, you had mentioned to me, and uh, I noticed this, of course, during this last episode, but we are having a jury that seems more vocal than usual. What do you think of this? Do you think that this harms the game, helps it? What do you think? I'm still trying to decide, but I'm enjoying the performative stuff. Like when Aubrey does her like, oh my gosh, face. Like right. that's fun because we've seen that. That's just a Eliza taking up to 11. But when Kelly is like actively talking to people or rooting against them, I don't know if I like that because one of these people has a 10% chance of getting back in the game. And I wonder if that's going to influence things or if it's uh, putting her thumb on the scale a little bit too much. So you're worried about that influencing the other people on the jury? Yes. Oh, no. Oh, oh, okay. So I, you know, so I actually don't think that's an issue because if they're not talking about that, then they usually talk about it beforehand. You know, when you're out of the game, all you have to talk about is like what you hope happens and what, you know, the fact that you just want to see fireworks, you know, which is, I mean, what we hear in every Ponderosa. So the fact that like they're reacting like this to me, is like, oh yeah, everyone knows that this person's rooting for this, you know, all the jury knows that. So it's really about, um, you know, it's it's really about just to me more like, is she saying this loud enough that the people in the game can hear? Mm-hmm. Because while the people in the game like know what you want, probably like there's there's like a line to it. And I, I, I don't think this is crossing the line to me. This is just generally entertaining. I like the jury reacting to things because it's like me reacting to things, um, you know, and like you said, like Aubrey's reactions are like that. But there is definitely like a point where I could see get a vote to give someone a million dollars on your right. Well, and that's where I'm more concerned because like when the jury's yelling like if you don't, if the jury like yells at like if you don't do this, I'm not going to vote for you at the end. That's where I would get worried about the jury, and I and I don't think the show would let them do that. But um, but that but like any you know that that's the line for me where you know where you are actively trading your power on the jury for what you want to happen. Um, but you know, I, I don't really think it's that big of a deal what we've seen from the jury so far, though it is very noticeable how vocal they are. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about something else that's been discussed a lot this season, which is, uh, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, but I want to talk more about the edit and I guess I'm going to kind of go off on a bit here. Um, a lot of people are saying the edit this season's hard to read. Um, I think what people might be reacting to in part is that we don't know how this season is going to end yet. This is not one of those seasons that has had a front runner the entire time. This is not as, as we have brought up multiple times, worlds apart with Mike Holloway, where we knew he was winning from pretty much the first merge episode. Um, This is a season where it's like really up in the air. What's going to happen where most people are saying, oh, well, no one looks like a winner. Now, we have had those seasons before. Uh, and, you know, in fact, I think we've had good versions of those seasons before. And so, what, you know, and it's funny because when we have the really obvious winners, people complain because they because then they complain like, oh, it's so obvious who's going to win. You know, they should spend more time with other people. 
But here in this season, we have like a pretty even, you know, split. There's a few people that have a little more time than others. Like I'd say Ron and Rick that have more time than others. But most people don't think Ron and Rick are going to win. And so then they're looking at these other five and then they're, and then they're saying, well, it's like, well, who's going to win then from these five? Because I don't know enough about them. But if you knew a lot about one of them, then you'd be saying, oh, it's so obvious that this person's going to win. And you'd be complaining about that. So there is a little bit of the fact that we just don't know how this is going to end. So we're complaining about the fact that we don't know how it's going to end yet. And I think that's kind of what the talk about the edit I, I want to push back on. Um, and I kind of want to transition this into another conversation, uh, another topic that I wanted to talk about, uh, which is to me, the season that this one compares to is what's happening, especially the last couple of weeks is what we saw in millennials versus Gen X. And what you saw, especially in the finale in millennials versus Gen X and down the stretch was Anytime anyone became a threat, they were targeted for being a threat. And that's what we've seen in the last couple of votes. David was a threat. David's taken out. Uh, Kelly was a threat. Kelly's taken out. Wardog's a threat. Wardog's taken out. And the way people are talking about the game is they're talking about targeting the top threats. And we saw Millennials versus Gen X. Now, I happen to think Millennials versus Gen X is a great season. And my one problem with it is I don't love the winner. But if you remember that final episode, Adam was pretty much the fourth biggest threat of the six remaining. And they just took out the three above him in order to get to him. And it was kind of like, well, he's the only person left and we don't like the other two here. And I kind of feel like that's what might be happening this season. And, you know, I I was talking about how I would compare Aurora to someone from another season. Aurora is kind of our Ken this season. I feel she's good at challenges. uh, And she's, but she's a bit of a weirdo. And I kind of think that others, and other people in the game don't like her like other people in the game did not like Ken at all in that season. And she's going to come to the end. She's going to probably have like a bunch of cha- – you know, she could. I'm not saying she's going to. She could go to the end with a bunch of challenge wins and like a resume, I think, towards the end where she's driving some votes. And everyone's going to be like, you know, no, they're going to be thinking of reasons not to vote for her. And, you know, we could see like Aurora, Julie, and someone else tribal. And it's almost going to be like whoever that other person is, I think would kind of win by default. So it almost doesn't matter who it is in some senses. But again, like I see similarities to other scenes that I really like. And I don't think this is a problem with the edit. I think it's what's happening in this game is we are seeing people. And, and this is what they're saying. We're seeing people turn on a dime to target the threats and make a new coalition to do that because that's the because that's the biggest that is the game they are playing. Um, and I think uh, someone in the comments, uh, maybe Hornacek, brought up that the last season they would have seen was Ghost Island before they went out there. And the lesson of Ghost Island and, and the producers like would, if not be outright telling them this the edit would be telling them this is don't be the laurel. Don't be the laurel. Don't be the one who doesn't turn on your allies that will beat you at the end. And if that's the last lesson they take before they began this game, that would go a long way to explain why they are doing everything they can to take out the biggest threats in the game. Whenever one announces themselves. So that's kind of the end of my rant. (laughs) You've sold me a little bit more. I was a little more skeptical earlier today, but 
between thinking about it and listening to you right now, I'm, I think I'm mostly on board. The biggest thing is Aurora can't be Ken because Ken had a David and Aurora doesn't have a strategist that really dominated his season. Like Ken and David made yeah. the major decisions for most of the merge. Well, and I don't see a strong pair like that right now. Well, and, what, and what I would say is that uh, unlike Millennials versus Gen X, I think this started in, in this game, the threat targeting started a little earlier. Yeah. The threat targeting millennials versus Gen X, I think, started a little later. Um, and this one, they started earlier. And frankly, I think there were just more threats in millennials versus Gen X left because everyone, I think, was just a stronger personality, had their own game to sell in a very particular way in millennials versus Gen X that we haven't seen as much this season. And now that could be the edit point because we don't know. It's like, well, what's the game these people are selling? Except that I, you know, like, I, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if these people uh, know the game they are selling. They are more just, they have one big strategic threat. They have one big strategic thought that, you know, has been pushed on them by other people to move them to certain votes. And they're just going with that thought and not thinking about what makes them or their game strong at the end. Um, And, you know, I mean, and Victoria kind of talked about it at the travel council here where she's like, we are targeting threats right now, so you don't want to be a huge threat, but you also know that you have to do something at the end to win. Um, and I and that's really the game that we're trying to see, which is in some ways the game we always see. But hey, in Survivor, sometimes the front runners keep front running, and sometimes it's like you know maybe it's not the top front runner, but his, but you know but their lieutenant that wins. And in this game, we're just seeing you know top dog get knocked off one after another, after another, after another, until we lost Top Dog this week. Um, I thought we lost Scruff McBuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I said, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but... I, mean, uh, I, I can see that. I mean, the biggest analogies they've been saying at Tribal have been pilots and passengers and blank slates and resumes. So they right. keep driving that home over and over. So I think that is where your storytelling is being built. Right. And so here's the thing. Even if you think that you don't have the resume yet, if other people are announcing they do, you know, well, I have to then vote them out because that goes on my resume. You know, you know, if you cannot play offense, play defense. And I think that's what we're seeing is that we don't have people hunting the move for their own resume. We have people hunting the move to prevent the people with the resumes from winning. Which, <laughs> which might be the difference between this and millennials versus Gen X, because people millennials versus Gen X, I think we're owning the moves more in this season. I think people are not owning the moves as much because they know that skyrockets them up the threat ladder. I mean, they're basically pulling the middle school dodgeball strategy where you hide in the back of the gym and just wait for everyone else to get taken out. And then all of a sudden it's just you. So, right. There's but, but, but I mean, look, people have won that game before that way. Exactly. It, you know, exactly. it's not always. It's not always the most satisfying, you know, personally, I want to see someone that has a level of control over their game for multiple weeks in a row. But I mean, look, there's still a bunch of votes left. There's seven people left in the game. One is going to re-enter. There is going to be five more votes. You know, there is there is time for a Natalie Anderson run here. Um, now, I don't know if we're going to get that, but. It could I've happen. Had season where it was very underwhelming at this point, and it ended up really strong. So, right. So, you know, again, you know, like, and frankly, like, Natalie Anderson was present before she went on her big run towards the end, but she was not like the shine. She was not a shining star in that edit. You know, we, they kept checking back in on her, but 
I would say that frankly, like Victoria and Lauren have had as much a presence at this point as Natalie Anderson had in her season. And I would say those are my two front runners for the win right now. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, so one thing I want to talk about in our Mark for Extinction thing, uh, because that was not Mark for Extinction. That was Matt wanted to rant about something time. Totally separate. Mark for Extinction. Yeah, well, someone has to fill the void. Uh, so Mark for Extinction, um, what about, uh, what do you think of final three or two or four packs? You know, just like packs to the end. You know, should we, uh, should we Mark for Extinction these pledges to remain strong as a group uh to the end to a certain point in favor of the realization that hey you should be working with people who benefit your game now i think we can retire the term and we can definitely retire this final six packed crap because it hasn't worked (laughs) in years and ron's whole thing about we have to get the six of us to the family visit well congrats dude you've made it to the family visit now what because you still have six people i mean a final two is called an alliance like let's be real you you just have an alliance with a strong like a person you you vibe with so that's your quote-unquote final two i don't think you need to have a cutesy name for it right i mean i think the other thing is like if you are going to someone and you're like oh we have a final three pack like yeah but that's only going to last as long as it benefits both of you exactly and we've seen this multiple times throughout the years where people go back on their pact and they're all pissed off so don't name it and you don't have that problem right i mean but then of course you know sometimes well, I mean, or, or or sometimes if you don't name it, then you run into the Penner and Philippines problem where you want to not commit to that and then you lose it by not committing to it. So it, there, there's nothing wrong with being like, yeah, I want to go with you to the end. But like, but, but this whole idea of like, we are locked in us for no matter what, it's like, no, you have to leave yourself some room. If, 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 if you get, if, if you make a final four pack and you get down to six and you realize some of those people that you have are in your final four pack are going to beat you, you better not stay in that final four pack because Absolutely. that's not working for you anymore. That's the same rigidity we're complaining about with, uh, Paw Patrol up there. Like, you know, you can't be so rigid in your thinking that you don't have any flexibility in survivor or in life. So. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know if rigidity is the way I would describe his thinking because, I, you know, I, I think it's he, – he, he was able to change plans multiple times that this season. It's more the fact that, you know, he he didn't have the partners to work with him, you know, to do some of the things that he was doing. And he thought that he could then, you know, bamboozle the rest of these people because he didn't think they were playing the game. I, I you know, again, I, I mean, it's it's the – what did uh, Tyrion say in Game of Thrones? The the classic mistake of uh, clever people is underestimating their opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. So uh, th- that was said on a recent episode. It's not. It's not a spoiler. Uh, but uh, you know, d- don't come. Oh crap! I'm th- <laughs> spoiler: Tyrion is still alive. Ah. D- <laughs> well, now I'm dead. So people are going to kill me for Game of Thrones spoilers. So before I go, we should make some predictions. Who do you think is going home next week? Uh, I've been going back and forth on this, but I think that Rick is going to continue his immunity run, yep. and Ron's story will come to a close. Oh, you think it's going to end with the fa- with the family visit? I think they planted that seed weeks ago, and now that he's here, either he'll become the threat, his like double dealing will catch up to him, or now I've seen my family, I'm good to go. Like he's already rich and famous. Like I know I've known of Ron Clark for years. Like I didn't need to watch him on Survivor. Like I don't know. I don't think he has what it takes to get to the end. And now is a good time to cut him loose as any. 
That's interesting. So here's the funny thing. I had not thought of Ron in terms of the dramatic irony of him going home after the family visit. Um, that really appeals to me. Uh, in the and like, I wasn't going to say Ron. I am now tempted to say Ron because, again, dramatic irony is something that I am very in favor of. Um, so I will hold off my official pick until we submit to Andy because. I do like that Ron theory there. Again, you know, Ron being like family visit, family visit, family visit, getting cut up to the family visit would be hilarious. Um, I was going to say Aurora because I also think that Rick is going to continue his immunity run. And despite my Ken Aurora uh, comparison, I think, if, you know, I, I think what happens if Rick wins? It's either Ron, as we talked, as we just discussed, because he's the next threat or it, or I think Ron has controlled the vote. And Ron decides that Aurora has to go because he is just so annoyed by her and because she's immunity threat. But will she use her extra vote? I don't think it would matter. We're now at an an odd number. Yes, it definitely could. It definitely could, especially if she is actually close to Gavin and Victoria. Um, Or maybe she she teams up with Rick in some way, though I don't think that's happening. Though, frankly, for her, it could be good because you want someone else who's a threat who you know who's a threat in the game you can point at but but you also want to win those immunities so you probably want him out um so yeah no it's oh, i do like ron going home at the family visit that, that, that's good dramatic argument to my side yeah i might I, I think i might be there but uh okay uh anything else to say i think that's it okay the- so uh you can uh follow us uh, our website, purplerockpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, purplerockpod. That's usually John that tweets there. I am purplerockmatt. You are... Rockmark. Uh, yeah. uh, you can subscribe to the uh, podcast on all the usual places. We're on YouTube right now. Feel free to watch there or not. I don't care. Mark might. Um and let's hit some theme. Let's hit some music. Who let the dogs out? <gasps>